never met nobody like you. Had friends and I've had buddies. It's true, but they don't turn my tummy the way you do. I never met nobody like you. Never not on my mind, oh my, oh my. I'm never not by your side, your side, your side. Hello and welcome back to the Rewind. I'm Josh and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about Pixar's Turning Red. Joining us today, it's our Pixar correspondent. He has a daughter that's less than a year old, but he's already scheming to make sure she stays away from the sketchy clerk at the Daisy Mark. It's Joe Morgan. Joe, what's going on? Hey, Josh. Uh, how's it going? I'm doing well. I'm, ex- I'm, ex- I'm excited to talk about this movie. Very exciting that we have a uh, new Pixar movie that kind of snuck up on me. Like I didn't, I'd, I'd, I'd seen it and then I forgot what it was. And then you reminded me a couple weeks ago and it, and it, re- and it, and it really surprised me in a good way. So I'm excited to get into it. Turning Red is set in 2002 in Toronto. It's written and directed by Domi Shi, who uh, made 2018's Bao, which played before The Incredibles 2, the first uh, movie Joe ever talked about on this podcast, actually. And Bao won the Oscar for Best Animated Short. So this is her feature debut. It's co-written with uh, Julia Cho. It it, it it tells the story of a 13-year-old Chinese-Canadian girl living in Toronto, uh, Maylin Mei Li. Uh, she is uh, she's the daughter of a woman named Ming, who was voiced by Sandra Oh. Uh, Rosalie Chang voices May. May is a, a very, very uh, dutiful daughter. She helps her family uh, manage this uh, temple that is kind of a big tourist attraction uh, in Toronto, and it kind of pays homage to like a lot of their different ancestors. And she is a uh, very, very uh, just like you know the, the perfect child in her parents' eyes. Is she's always just going up there, being very studious, helping them with the temple, getting great grades, and uh, but she has a very, very overbearing mother. And which is, uh, you know, not, not unusual, except like she wants to be a normal gir- friend or she wants to be a normal kid. She has uh, she has three different friends that she really likes to spend a lot of time with, including, uh, I guess, Priya, Abby and Miriam, though her mom is pretty skeptical of these friends. They like to do uh, normal kid stuff, gossip about boys, uh, obsess over their favorite boy band, Four Town, who we're going to talk about because they actually feature rather prominently in the plot of this movie and within the soundtrack of this movie. And uh Except some of this, uh, some of this, uh, you know, socializing with her friends and uh, gossiping about boys, it comes to a head when she is, uh, you know, uh, drawing in her journal or diary of sorts about this, uh, about this, uh, that uh, clerk from the Daisy Mart I already mentioned, and her mom finds this and is just apoplectic. She ends up uh, bringing this uh, drawing that she makes of this uh, clerk to the clerk to confront him, and it just embarrasses the heck out of May. And she is just uh, spends all night just kind of fretting about this. And she wakes up and she is turned into a giant red panda. And she comes to learn that like uh, she has to hide it from her family. And she, uh, and she initially, and she just comes to think like, Hey, I, 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 I can control this because it turns out she isn't always in the giant red panda, but she only becomes the giant red panda when she gets very emotional. And it's just a, uh, and obviously, you know, teen girls and emotions there, there, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of territory to be mined there. Uh, Joe, I want to ask you first about this movie. For, to me, it feels like it, one of the things that impressed me most about it is that it feels like it, it's, it's drawing from a lot of things we've seen in other Pixar movies, but it really did find a way to like manage to be its own unique thing. What impressed you most about Turning Red? 
Yeah, I've had this one circled on my calendar for a while in terms of looking forward to it, probably ever since I saw Bow before Incredibles 2. Mm-hmm. And um, I think the thing I love about it is just the specificity of it. Like turning red, like much of the Pixar stuff of the past is very high concept, right? Like what do we have this teen girl who turns into a red panda when she has a heightened emotional state, but then, you know, Domishi puts like this completely unique personal spin on it that really makes it hilarious and heartfelt in the ways that Pixar is good with, but like in new unique ways. So I just really enjoyed how specific uh, this movie really seemed to be. So. Well, I think one thing I really liked about it is that I, I agree in that it's like high concept in certain ways, but one, I think in, look, I mean, I love Inside Out, but I think it, it manages to like, you know, be its own specific thing separate from that in so much as it is, I think Inside Out, like it does a really good job of making something like that really, that's about emotions and how they, and just how people process them, which again, this movie is obviously dealing with too. Like I said, it kind of draws from these other movies in certain ways, but it like, it, it turns into being a movie almost more while it's about emotions, just as much as it does that, it's a movie about like wanting to be a kid uh, mm-hmm. and wanting to be a human kid in a, a movie, about, and also a movie, about obviously friendship and uh, relationship with parents and all that. But it it, it kind of took a turn in a way that I like really, really respected in that you were conditioned in these movies to like think the second that those friends knock on her door when she is kind of in panda mode still, that this is going to be a movie where she's going to like run around hiding from people the entire movie. And I was like, all right, I'm still enjoying this fine. I'll be here for a long, along for the ride, whatever. Cool. And 15 seconds later, she, she spills the beans to her friends when they say four towns and <laughs> four town is in town and she opens the blinds and then like can't resist anymore. And all of a sudden one, it's a movie where the friends are just there for her. And mm-hmm. two, Beyond that, you think it's going to be one where it's like, because we've already met a bully in this movie, kind of, and we think it's going to be like, okay, the rest of the school is going to be out for her, and then her friends are going to like, you know, protect her and all that. And then the rest of the school thinks the panda's freaking cool, which is just such a great surprise. Again, I just, I'm conditioned to think when a character has something going on like this, they're just going to hide it. Their, Their whole aim is going to be to hide it from the world. And maybe that was her initial, initial instinct in this movie, but it just turns into something totally unexpected in like a way I just thought was kind of brilliant in that it's like, all right, no, there's not even any conflict here about like how these other people are reacting to her. It's just coming from like, man, how how much can this allow her to be a regular kid? Because she already has enough of that other conflict with the family. And again, she's not having to keep it a secret from the family. It's just their family has their own opinions on how this should be handled. So I just was just very surprised. And I thought it managed to be like its own separate story. Because like, obviously, like, heck, there are other Pixar movies about friendship. Yeah. Like, I mean, Toy Story, you got a friend in me, you know, like it's a, uh, but how many are, how many Pixar movies are there that are like, Actually, I mean, Luca might be the, it's funny enough, Luca might be like the, the, the closest analog in that way where how many Pixar movies are there about a human and making friends? You know, there aren't that many of them really when you think about it. So I thought that was kind of cool and that it, it we're at what, we're on our 25th, it's the 25th, yeah, 25th Pixar yeah. movie. And it's like the first one to like really actually kind of explore friendship in this particular way. Like Inside Out, Inside Out well, that was more about just like, coming to peace with yourself in your disposition. Whereas like, this is like really engaging with like uh, both friends and family in a very, uh, in a very, very uh, thoughtful way. Yeah. Just having the support of your community, your, your family, your chosen family, all of that. And a breath of fresh air too, to have that support system for May as she goes through this. Cause I mean, you know, you talked about Luca, like they have to keep their sea monster identity a secret and Coco, Miguel has to pretend he's actually dead in the land of the dead. Sure. Ratatouille, Remy has to hide mm-hmm. in his hat, and we go on and on and on, right? Like, Pixar has done that thing before where you have to, like, 
hide, you know, uh, not be discovered. So yeah, like you said, it's a great moment when she poofs into the red panda in front of her friends and then it's just immediate acceptance. And that's fantastic. I really enjoyed that as well. Yeah. As a, I mean, you got, you got a long way before you have to worry about this, but as a father of a daughter, how did you feel about Pixar tackling puberty head on? Oh, I think it's awesome. You know, like when I was growing up, I went to a Catholic school and, um, you know, I'm not going to say all Catholic schools are like this, but I feel like, you know, there's a certain level of like, hush, hush, let's not talk about, you know, things of this nature. And, uh, you know, you kind of grow up ignorant in some regards, like both the boys and the girls. And so I think like having it portrayed in such a, this is normal. Um, this is perfectly natural way. Like, I think that's really cool. And hopefully that helps like young girls feel seen or maybe parents who are watching this, who have kids who are reaching that stage of life could be like, Hey, like, you know what, like, this isn't this big, scary thing. Cause like that, that scene in particular, especially like, uh, the mom is so supportive, you know, she's like, Oh, I've got all these things for you. Like, uh, yeah. Like, you know, I don't, you know, I, I can't quote the exact dialogue or anything, but I just thought it came from a real place of like, Hey, like, you know what, like this is happening. Mm-hmm. This is okay. Like you got nothing to worry about, like that kind of thing. And, um, you know, while we're on this conversation, I guess, like, I know there's been a big, strange, uh, backlash of sorts from certain people who are saying like, Oh, like this isn't relatable and stuff. And I'm like, give me a break. Okay. I, I was an extremely awkward preteen and teenager who was constantly like, you know, saying the wrong thing or being embarrassed by my parents or by my, or embarrassing myself, both like on purpose and in inadvertent ways. And like, if you don't, you know, if you don't feel the terror and cringe of her mom, like sneaking up to the window of her holding the pads. I mean, like, if you can't relate to that as a former preteen or teenager who even had a shred of awkward in their lives and like i don't know like i think you're just you know like that i i don't buy that i don't buy that if you don't find any relatability in that kind of thing did the red peony bloom that was what the mom said yes uh, <laughs> at the bathroom door uh but yeah i mean for all the for all the uh, learning that the mom has to do throughout the movie that's a very uh human moment for her where she is there for her and her and, daughter in, in the right way and credit to sandra O too. i mean like you know that's a very to write and storyboard and put that scene in a disney uh disney production i'm sure was probably a point of conversation you know in the development of the movie and everything and like to have like an actor of sandra o's capabilities like be able to you know do all the heavy lifting in that setting i think um you know good good on her sandra o as if she needs any more uh flowers (laughs) yeah well yeah it's fine i've been very busy the last couple of weeks. I, I did a little little bit of reading a few reviews from this and listened to a podcast that briefly discussed it, but I've thankfully been able to opt out of some of this online discourse about how relatable it actually is. Unfortunately, some of that might be tied to the fact it's about a Chinese American family and uh, primarily min- mi- minority cast, as absurd as that is for that to be a, a, a point of, not, not that it would matter if it was live action, but like it feels even weirder to like have that discussion about an animated movie, like someone yeah. can't relate to them in that way. And like I, and I, I was gonna, I'm gonna save the kind of discussion about the, the non-theatrical release for the end, but like who knows how much that tied into it as well. But like, regardless, I think like, I mean, even if you're not a teenage girl, we all went through that time in life in, in middle school where things were like 
kind of awkward anyway. And I, exactly. I, I, I was from a, um, I, I didn't go to a Catholic high school, but I went to a high school in the Panhandle of Florida. And at some point, I think we did get some kind of birds and bees talk in fifth grade. And while this movie isn't uh, necessarily dealing with sex, I had a, uh, I, at one point in the, at one point I was uh, legitimately handed from our a school administrator or someone that was teaching some sort of class like that, maybe like more like freshman or sophomore year of high school, I was given an abstinence only card, like a card you would carry in your wallet, like the same oh. material of a credit card. So yeah, I mean, like, I think, I think it's kind of cool that like in theory, kids can connect with something like this. And even if it's not like, uh, you know, maybe overtly using a lot of uh, certain ty- types of terms, it's clearly about what it means to kind of go through change at that age. And I just really respect them going there. And who knows, but, but whether it be puberty, whether it be the, uh, my, the, the, the race of a lot of these characters, who knows why uh, th- that this movie was only on the streaming service. But the fact is like, it's still got green light. They still had to put a lot of resources into this in the first place. And we've heard lots of different kinds of things that like, here and there that maybe Disney wasn't super high on uh, having go forward because of the content or something like this, or maybe in Disney movies or something like that. And like, heck, like even, I mean, even Marvel movies are pretty chased by uh, most PG-13 movie standards, you know? So I just kind of respect that they had the, the, the guts to do something like this. And like, I mean, I think I saw maybe one or two like uh, reviews or articles about this where Domi, she was like kind of talking about, like they really put a lot of thought into like how they were going to get certain things into this and how it wasn't just like it maybe not that like P- pixar gave her a hard time but like they really took a lot of care to be like all right how are we going to translate the subject matter in a way where like it, it, it where where we can tell this story that we want to tell and it's just like it's so different from any other movie because like yeah there might be like romantic interest in any other pixar movie but i don't think anything toes the line like this in a way that effectively gets those messages across and deals with those themes but is still like pretty cleanly able to say a pg movie and one that like i think you know, kids can connect to in a way. Like I think both you and I, it sounds like are probably higher on this than we were on say like soul. Uh, but soul was like something that like I, when we talked about it, it was just like, is this even trying to be for kids? And I think it's pretty impressive that like, I, I never once had that thought where at the, while at the same time, it is clearly dealing with subject matter. That's a bit more mature than most of the other movies that Pixar makes. Yeah. And like, you know, Disney as like the biggest manufacturer of pop culture in mm-hmm. the country, if not the world. Like they, they really do play a role in like, you know, normalizing a lot of things, you know, like they, there's a lot of power to that. And so to have, you know, you know, to have periods of menstruation, like characterized in such a positive light and, you know, in the way they did it. So, um, so well in this movie, I think will have a nice effect going forward. Cause you know, I mean, it's, it's weird to think of my daughter as anything older than eight months old right now, but you know, I mean, she'll have this movie as a young girl when, you know, my wife and sisters did not. So um, and I'll leave it at that. Yeah, the uh, I want to ask a little more about the the family side of this as well. I mean, not that not that those two parts of the movie don't go hand in hand, but there's one that's like a little more focused. And I, I mean, I didn't even really touch on that. We we didn't touch a ton on this on this band yet, Fort Town. But like the thrust of the plot ultimately kind of becomes like, all right, like if the school is cool with her with May being a panda, she's going to capitalize on that. Her her parents are just like very strict. They don't approve of this hip hop music, and they and so she's going to have to fund herself getting a ticket to this uh, show by herself. But at the same time, uh, at the time. At least at the start of the movie, we it seems like this show is going to take place like on the same night that the uh is it, I, I forgot is it is is it a is it a what, the night of the rich the 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 red moon right the blood moon. Oh, it, it, okay well it wasn't I, I didn't want to misspeak on that yeah so 
the, the Ford town is coming to town on the night of a, of, of a red moon when they would have to perform the ritual to uh, cure May of this panda. But so in order to like kind of fund that without her parents' help, because they're certainly not going to approve of her going there, they're not going to trust her controlling the emotions to the extent she needs to, to be able to uh, safely do it. She's like, all right, I'm going to fund this myself. I'm going to start my own side hustle. And okay, so th- I'm getting away from the family part of it again, but is, this is the part that she's trying to hide from her family, I guess. So she like ends up, you know, running a business around with her friends, like, you know, uh, doing different things as the panda for money and selling merch and all this kind of stuff. And like just running a r- running an illegal business out of, uh, from under her bed. And I just like, again, I thought it was kind of cool that a Pixar movie, like not just had the balls to go there at puberty, but then just like, you know, the balls to go there at puberty. Haha. Uh, that, that, that they had the, uh, they, they headed into that part of the story with that much confidence where it's like, we're just going to show this kid just like getting in trouble and not really judge her for it or act like this in itself is a bad thing. And I thought that was a pretty kind of like unique type of storytelling choice to be like, and they, they even imply that like it's hurting her grades a little bit. And I'm not telling kids to like go do things to like hurt their grades, but like the, it, it wasn't like making it seem like she was doing anything bad, but she like, ob- it's an objectively not an okay thing to do, I guess maybe, but like, no, I, I don't want to say that, but it's like, it's, you don't want to like, you know, hide stuff from your parents and uh and do things that are gonna like really hurt your future i don't know they're middle school who really cares what your grades are in middle school my (laughs) point is like uh you know it was it was a girl doing what she's told not to do and the movie didn't judge her for it and i kind of liked that it went so far down that rabbit hole at that point to be like we're gonna spend a huge part of this movie just having her like running running unlicensed business and i thought what did you think about that you know, it's it's funny when you talk about that. I think of like one of the opening lines in the movie where she says, "Like I'm May, I'm 13 years old, and that means I'm basically an adult. I can do whatever <laughs> I want." Then, then we spend the next 10 minutes of her being the absolute most dutiful child like we've ever seen, right? And then like then the movie starts have like pushing her to these places where she's like, you know, stretching out for adulthood, whether that's you know like she turns into the red panda you know or you know she decides to share her fandom of four town with her family too she decides to like start this side hustle you know <laughs> like mm-hmm. you know she's like she's keeps striving and pushing for adulthood with like all these decisions whether they're like you know absolute right or not you know what i mean mm-hmm. and so like i thought it was interesting like you know that it's not characterized as like oh like you're being very bad because like i mean correct me if i'm wrong because i don't recall at the moment but there's never really a talk about her grades or anything with the parents right like well i mean i think well you see her you see when she's like sorting out through all the business uh, paraphernalia under her bed you yeah, see like, her bed some, you see some papers grades. or it's like it was like a b minus or a c or something like that so yeah. i think it's kind of i think it's kind of, but then you don't you don't see the mom pick that paper up but you see her like discover everything under the bed so i just right. kind of assume that like the mom was aware of it once that happened uh, mm-hmm. and, and that's that, but yeah, there's not another discussion. It's just, we, we kind of know based on what we've seen from their relationship early in the movie that the mom is just going to expect her to get good grades and yeah. that, and that's that. And so it's, that's just like, I don't even want, it's not even the elephant in the room because it's, it's, it's just, it is spoken of. It's understood that she's going to get good grades. So the, the fact that like we get a little glimpse of the fact that maybe something's going off the rails, it's, it's only going to kind of like confirm all of her mom's fears when her mom like kind of finds up what finds out what she's up to. You mentioned that you like Sandra O's uh, voice performance in this. And I, I think it's a tar, a hard tightrope to walk again. Uh, we're two white dudes talking about this. So I'm not, I'm not going to make any broad statements about Asian families other than to say like, 
like that it's a stereotype maybe that they can uh, often have in the movies like the uh, over overbearing asian parents don't disappoint I, I i must i must not disappoint my mother and father that kind of thing so when you're going to have a character like this in a movie like that i think again it's being made by uh chinese canadian people so uh, again it's coming from a it's coming from someone that's more of an authority on the source but at the same time i think they i'm sure they put care and thought into this to make it seem like this isn't your stereotypical Asian parent or something like that. So I'm curious, what did you kind of like about how they wrote that mom character to like make her be more than just, again, that stereotypical overbearing mother? She's very warm. You know, I think that's the important thing. Like, cause the, the crux of the movie really is like, you know, may wanting to be something that her mother, that that's different than what her mother wants her to be. Right. And that could very easily, you could very easily villainize the mom in that sense. Like, I, you know, I look back to, brave which we talked about on this podcast uh, way back in 2020 um we're almost coming know. up on the two-year anniversary of that man yeah <laughs> that was like my second or third quarantine podcast and it happened presumably i think within those last couple weeks of march of 2020 right and that movie like um you know merida's mother is played by emma thompson who does a fine job but i think that movie doesn't as deftly handle like the mother being warm and supportive while also being driving you know mm-hmm. but you know i, I kind of look at it's evident the the love in that relationship when you see Mayverse go to the temple after school and help her mom out with everything. Like they've got the whole cleaning routine down. They've got the uh, the kneeling of the temple thing down. Like, you know, it's something that like, you know, May has this secret life where she loves four town and loves to draw and like, likes hanging out with her friends. But like, it's not like she like dreads and eye rolls her way into her routine with her mom. Like she genuinely loves to be with her mom. And I think, yeah, I think Sandra O does a nice job in that character in the way the um, the team conceived of that character of making her like a warm, supportive. And, and this even goes to the um, did your red peony bloom scene, too, where, you know, she's a very warm, supportive, loving mother. They just clash on like the vision of where May's life is going, you know, and uh, yeah, really, well, they, uh, yeah, yeah, well, they don't. Again, they 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 do make her pretty domineering with respect to like boys and hip hop music. But I actually I think it's a good point that you make in that like they have a good rapport. Like I mean, yeah, a couple of things cause her to go overboard, and but like I think that's that's fairly normal for like teenage girls from uh, what I understand. I don't I I think you have sisters. I don't have sisters. Uh, but like you know, everyone's gonna clash with their parents. Some. Uh, I'd say some, obviously some more so than others, but it's probably not unusual to like have a, like the status quo be something pretty good, but then have one thing or two happen that like, like push you over to the edge here and there. And that's, that's kind of more what we were dealing with here that had like, you know, an inciting event. And obviously tensions might be high with how you're going to deal with something as a, as big as like, Hey, I turn into a panda every time I feel something. Uh, so it, it, it didn't feel like it was like, it didn't feel like an over the top, like, Oh my God, teen tape parents type of thing. It just, they had a couple moments and then things are obviously going to be more tense going forward. So I agree with what you said on that. Uh, though it ends up kind of like the, the scope gets broader, uh, with that part of the yeah. story. What, what did you, what did you think of when they brought the grandma in and how that it was executed? Oh man, <laughs> I think the ant entrance is just beautifully storyboarded. It's so funny. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. It's not. Yeah, right. It's the, it's it's a great. It, no, it is the grandmother, it's, right? It's the grandma with the ants. With yeah, the ants. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, like I just think it's so funny when they enter and like they have their own like you know I, I didn't realize at the time when they enter that all the like the the swag that they're 
they're showing off is like really their talismans for their panda spirits. I didn't, mm-hmm. I, like, I didn't draw that connection right away, but um, yeah, like, you know, you kind of get a fuller look at the family dynamic, you know, grandma's mysterious scar, you know, and they all have their different opinions on like uh, their red pandas and, you know, yada, yada, yada. I thought that was a nice way to kind of build out the world and really, um, you know, that, you know, May's not alone in this, you know, and it's not just a thing between May and her mother, you know, it's, it, it kind of built out because like, it would have been really easy for this movie because like, in the beginning, they tell the story of the oldest ancestor. I can't recall the name's exact moment about how she wished. Their ancestor's name, Sunyi. Sunyi. Sunyi made a wish to, um, to become, to become a red panda to protect her children while her husband was away. And this has been passed down for generation to generation. They could have probably left it at that and then only talked about the mom and the daughter, but they really, you know, I liked how the aunts and the grandma sort of fill out that world and give us like, you know, they talk about it as if it's just a regular family tradition, this like bizarre thing where they have to like wait for a certain phase of the moon and then do it, you know, a whole seance, I guess, uh, for lack of the proper term. Uh, to, to separate the panda spirit from the women in the family. I just thought it's, it, they talked about it like it was like a, a bar or bat mitzvah, you know, almost. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, th- I thought it was the right mix when they brought all of them in, in so much as like it would have been a lot if they all had the disposition of the grandma. So mm-hmm. it was cool that the ants were a little more uh, animated in that way. And the mm-hmm. fact that like, not that it was like the most subtle thing in the world, but the, I mean, you got, you got a good idea of why uh, the mom was the way she was when you saw the way the grandma was the way she yeah. was. And it, it, it kind of made sense. I don't know if they, they didn't over explain it, but it kind of explains itself. Well, I mean, I guess there, there is a scene, I think, where uh, I, th- I think there, I think there actually is a scene at some point at a, at a certain point where, where Ming just kind of explains what the relationship with the mom was like and how, and, and like the way she was always kind of like really afraid of it. And, and I think May is just kind of like, I think, it, I think it's when she's talking to May about it. And it's like, May has to just like kind of understand like, well, well, I probably is thinking in her head like, oh, wow. Like, I mean, yeah, you just be, kind of became your mom and now you're doing the same thing to me. Uh, yeah. Sure. But again, it, it makes sense. And I think it makes it like all I make. I think it makes that final sequence like all the more satisfying. Um, what, what what did you think of it? I mean, I, I, I've seen a little bit of a, at least a couple of the critics I, I, I listened to were like questioning whether or not the whether or not that final sequence kind of fit. I mean, it really kind of uh, blows things up literally and figuratively uh, when they had the scene at the Four Town concert. Uh, I personally I personally enjoyed it a lot. I actually don't think it came out of nowhere, really. I mean, I think we're led to believe at a certain point once we learn a little bit about how. Um, Ming had dealt with the same uh, panda issue, though at an older age is what we're led to believe than, than when uh, May is having to go through it, which I think is notable because the mom can't 100% relate to her. But we're led to believe there's like something going on with her. So it actually kind of made sense to me when you saw like her panda being like so massive. I think we heard the, the dad, and we can talk about the dad a little bit. I mean, he mentioned that like, oh no, her panda was big. So when we see her, I was like, oh, well, this makes sense given what we've kind of like seen her kind of alluding to with what she went through. And uh I mean, I thought it, I thought it was pretty fun and a different kind of like uh, visual spin for Pixar to put on one of its uh, big set pieces. How did you feel it executed kind of like going from like, again, this family conflict and her also having a little bit of a conflict with their friends. So then all of a sudden we're in a we're in a stadium with some uh, uh, monsters battling, basically. First of all, I'll fire off the quick joke. My favorite movie to end in a sports arena this year. Uh, <laughs> close with another one that many people have seen already and I won't say anything more. But anyway, uh, yeah, that ending is like the perfect coalescing of everything that's going on in the movie, right? Mm-hmm. Like 
May takes that big act of rebellion. She's like, I'm going to go to this concert, this one thing you don't want me to do. And then we end up doing the ritual in the actual, like, the floor seating of the concert with Four Town helping sing their way into the, the dream world or whatever, the, the bamboo forest. Yeah, I'm not really sure I followed what was going on with that forest, but whatever. It was still fun to watch. Yeah, and like, I, yeah, I thought that was, I thought, I thought it was fantastic, you know, like, you know, this, you know, May was able to sort of make her decision on her own turf. You know, I, I thought that ending, I thought that ending was great too, because it's like one of those things where, you know, the dad is talking to May in the bedroom, like before the ritual and talking about um, how the mom like destroyed half the temple when she uh, went panda, uh, went red panda on an argument that she had with her mother about the marrying the father. Mm-hmm. And um, so it makes sense like that, that almost foreshadows that like, we're going to get yeah. um, a destructive sequence here. So like, I mean, yeah, I totally bought it. And like, Hey, it's act three. We got to have a big ending, you know, mm-hmm. like, give it to me you know like plus the the comedy of the four towns uh the four town singers all like the, the five four town singers yes exactly they're 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 suspended in air this massive red pandas tearing apart the arena around them yeah should also mention uh may's dad is voiced by orion lee who uh some some might know is like one of the two leads of first cow one of my 10 favorite movies of 2020 he is just he's a very good actor so i I didn't even realize that till after i watched it but uh yeah i mean i kind it felt like a fairly like uh uh interesting or felt like a pretty true to life depiction of how like someone might go through a, a, a a moment where they are uh having a having a uh, go through an interaction with a parent when they're having a conflict with the other parent I'm, mm-hmm. I can't, I, I feel like there might've been something that happened similar in Mitchell's versus the machines last year. I, I, I think, um, I think I, I don't remember exactly off the top of my head. Cause I haven't watched that movie in, uh, you know, since like basically almost a year, I oh. guess. But in regards to what, um, in, the, in the Mitchell's versus the machine, I think there was a moment like that where, uh, a, a couple of them had to, I think, I don't know if it was like the dad and the daughter had to talk about the mom or something like that, or, or vice versa. Uh, I can't, I can't remember, but like, you know, it still felt like, all I'm saying is that when she, in, in, in turning red, where she had the, where she had the discussion with the dad, that felt like the kind of conversation you have with one parent when you're having a fight with the other. It, it felt, it felt very true to life. And I, and yeah. I really bought it. And, um, and, and yeah, I did, I just thought it was a very well executed, like a kind of emotional moment that like, again, had, had to work because I mean, it's, it's, it's not a small decision where she's like, I'm going to keep the Panda. Uh, I don't know exactly. Um, I mean, so it's a little weird that a plot point in turns on someone reading a concert fire wrong. Uh, cause one <laughs> of her friends like forgets what, uh, for, forgets where it is, but like, I don't exactly know why that, I mean she got very good at, and I think it's cool that like we understand like how she kind of like, you know, grows as a person is able to better control her emotions. I'm not a hundred percent sure why she has to like stay the Panda. Uh, you know, it's cool that the kids like it, but I, I don't know if that's something you really want to have to like worry about for the rest of your life. I don't, I, I, again, but I didn't really think I didn't really, it wasn't something I found myself dwelling that much on and I don't really plan to, but like, it's still like kind of made sense that like, that the dad would kind of give her that extra insight as to like, look, if, if you feel like it's an important part of who you are, then uh, you got to go for it. There could be some other positive things about this. I don't know. What, what was your take on that choice to like have her be like, I'm going to stay the, I'm going to stay Panda or not, not, not go through with the ritual. Did it make sense to you? Or and even if it doesn't hundred percent track, did it bother you at all? Uh, here's how I read it. Cause I, I really, I really enjoyed it. And like the dad says something to her where he's like, he says, you got to take the bad, the bad and live with it. You know, like 
you know, er, like every one of us has something that, you know, we don't like about ourselves and that we're not proud of or Mm. whatever that may be. And like, sometimes you just have, it's part of the tapestry of you and you got to live with that in a certain way. And I sort of read it like seeing the different generations of the family and just coming from pop culture depictions of family, as well as, you know, maybe my own family where, you know, there's certain things that like that are left unsaid or certain things we don't talk about. We don't talk about Bruno. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I mean, it's just like one of those things where it's May making an active decision that she's not going to repress things um, in a way that, you know, perhaps her family has, you know, and yeah. Gonna- yeah. I mean, like she, she, and she's seeing like, even if she has a good relationship with her mom, uh, uh-huh. it's certainly apparent that like uh, maybe her mom, you know, uh, even though she's warm, uh, you know, maybe there is like the dad is kind of implying like, look, yeah, maybe like your mom might have lost a little something. When, when yeah. that. And uh-huh. if you feel like this has helped you feel like a more fulfilled person and it, it, it's truly a part of who you are, that's something you can embrace. Yeah. And that's yeah, that's that was sort of my just my reading on it. You know, like you can you can embrace all parts of yourself, learn to live with them as opposed to, you know, not necessarily just shoving something down into the dark, deepest recesses of your mind or soul or whatever that yeah which which is a bit of a a bit of a parallel to where inside out ends but it does it, it's getting there in its own very distinct different kind of way you know inside out's like hey i think a big part of that is like look i mean you as a kid you have to have space for that kind of emotion you know like you have to be able to be sad it's not healthy to keep, kind of keep that all buried down and so i think I, I think it's a good kind of thing to like kind of teach kids like hey it's a you don't have to like you don't really have to hide how you're feeling if if if, if, if doing so makes you feel bad uh, mm-hmm. And I think I think it, it, it's a good way to kind of get that message across, if nothing else. Do you do you have a favorite uh, Four Town song that you want to talk about, or uh, do you just want to give the movie props for like having like like bangers on its soundtrack, even by by, yeah. by Pixar standards? Don't make me choose amongst my. <laughs> I love both Aaron T and Aaron Z. Okay, you can. Both very talented too. Okay, uh, you know I. I adored how specific they were and how, I mean, you know, I mean, I was a big Backstreet Boys fan in middle school. So like, yeah. And even now, like, uh, I'm not even going to try to act like I've outgrown it. No, I like the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> it's, I'm not firing up on Spotify every day, but I'm not going to sit here and shove them deep down. I'm going to live with it. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I really dug that aspect. I really, and I loved how they ended up singing for the ritual at the end. I thought that was just beautiful. I like, I, I didn't literally do a chef's kiss like when it happened, but I was just like, that's, it's one of those things where I, like as a writer, I sit there and I watch something and then I see Four Town joining in on the singing at the end. And I'm like, damn it, I'm jealous of that. Like, I wish, <laughs> I wish my brain had birthed something like that. Cause it just feels, it felt like perfect for the moment, but no, I love Four Town. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, there's something, I mean, there's, it, it, if you're going to have like so much of your movie hinge on like your character, like being obsessed with a band, it, it, it helps. I think the band is good. You know, yeah. uh, it, otherwise, I mean, Robert, it's kind of like, what do we do? Robert knows French. Which one of the nurses wounded doves? That's um, the other. That's the other one I remember. I can't remember who who, who knows what, but they, they, they're all they're all they're all very they all give back, or uh, they're all they're, there's all a little more to meets the eye with them. Yeah. Um, is there any other parts of the, uh, of turning red Joe that we didn't already touch on that you wanna that you wanna shout out or uh, uh, highlight before we finish up? I want to shout out the hilarious action shots of the dad cooking. I think that it was outstanding comedy. I thought that was fantastic. Uh, no, I was just going to say, like, I, I Domi, she got her start as a story artist at Pixar, correct? And uh, worked on Inside Out. But, like, I mean, 
uh, I went back and watched Bow the other day. I don't know if I'd watched it since I saw it in the theater. Uh, mm-hmm. And I th- actually, I guess I saw it in the theater twice because I, I, I think I went to the animated shorts that year at the at the theater. And so I saw it before Incredibles 2 and that. But I uh, I guess I was like, it, I was I was very impressed that like it just it makes animated food look really good, um, yeah. and, uh, and certainly did it again with like what what the, what the dad was up to. I just want to like shout that out like uh, that that's that's kind of where Domishi like got her start. And uh, you know they certainly like don't skimp on the animation. This movie had a hundred seventy five million dollar budget, which I think ties into the the theater discussion. But sorry, was there something else you wanted to say before I get to that? Yeah, no, I I loved. I, I think the red panda is so cute. I mean, just mm-hmm. like. Well, like super well done. It's just adorable. Like I'm gonna go buy one for my daughter. Um, which, which is which is kind of cool that like uh they, they were like yeah people would think a red panda is cute. They're not gonna be mean to her. They're not gonna run away from it. It's a cute animal. I think she wanted it in the movie because it was a cute animal, and everyone reacts accordingly. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I love the 2002 shout out where her friends give her like the burn CD of Four Town Music. Like nice little era touch right there. Yeah, that just like went over my head. I think I, I obviously kind of I remember not the beginning, but like I wasn't even thinking about that it being a period piece. But I, um, I guess it's kind of like uh, I think Domi she was born in like eighty seven or something like that. So, uh, it kind of made sense for her to like set it in that time if it's like at least uh, always drawing from some own some 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 of her own like you know experiences as a youngster in Toronto. Um, mm-hmm. Joe, I'm not going to, I don't want to make you like uh, too critical of Disney here. Cause like in theory, you still kind of like are working in the field and in theory working for them at times. But I, w- I want to ask you a little bit about the fact that like, this is the third straight Pixar movie to go to, to go to streaming. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, when soul went to streaming, that was one thing. Cause we were kind of just at the very beginning of the vaccine, like basically in December, 2020, only healthcare workers had it. We were actually at a pretty good point in the pandemic when, uh, when Luca came out, because uh, I was right before the Delta variant exploded, and I was during my trip to Los Angeles last summer when I happened to be there when LA opened up. So that was like probably like the one of the better stretches we've had since the vaccine came out, and they still put it online uh, or put it straight on Disney Plus and not in theaters. And they they did the same made the, they made the same call with Turning Red. I think they might have I don't I don't remember if you recall when they, that news broke. It might have happened back at the end of last year uh, when we were kind of going through the Omicron or around then. So maybe that's what they were thinking ahead. But the fact is, like, uh, I think we're, we, we, we just got past a weekend where uh, the Batman made like $150 million or whatever. So mm-hmm. people are going back to the theater for the right kinds of movies. Where are you at at this point on as far as just like kind of hoping something changes and we, we get Pixar? I mean, I, I, actually, I take that back because, I mean, I think we would both be pretty shocked if Lightyear is not in theaters. But like, yeah. man, I would have liked to have seen this movie in a theater. How about you? Yeah, it's disappointing. I really would have liked to have seen this, Sam Luca in the theater i think when disney acquired pixar way back in 2006 i think people were worried that oh like pixar is not going to get to make their originals anymore they're going to be spending off some sequels and like all in all i think it's been pretty good you know and in terms of sequels versus originals there have been a lot of sequels but i mean they're well made you know i think toy story 4 was one of my favorite movies of the year back in 2019 so like and like these originals are being made and they're fantastic like you know, I think of something like Onward, which was just so beautifully made. And, you know, Luca was just such a delight this year. And, um, and then, you know, I really love Turning Red. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, there was, a, there was a long stretch where people were like giving Pixar crap for like not making enough originals anymore. And it's like now they finally are. And like they've I, I wasn't as big on Onward, but like, I mean, I really love Luca in this movie. And it's like they finally kind of get to doing it again. And now we're like we're not getting to put them in theaters. It's, it's just a little disappointing is what I'll say. Yeah, these, these movies should be in theaters, you know, like, I mean, if movie theaters are going to be open and people are comfortable going to the theater and are being safe about it, then like, 
yeah, put this stuff in theaters. There's no reason that Turning Red can't make a nice box office return with the marketing power of the Disney machine behind it. Like, come on. Like, well, I, I also sometimes like forget how much some of these animated movies cost. I think, like I said before, they spent, this, they spent $175 million on this. Like, in mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I'm sure like a, a lot, I guess a lot of the production might've been like done during the pandemic, but it's like, uh, I put it, I think it probably got, it, it probably got like greenlit, it got greenlit before the pandemic. So yeah. I'm, I'm just like, I'm wondering, yeah, so they, 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 they added, it looks like they filmed a lot of it during COVID. Um, maybe a lot of the artistry happened beforehand, but it's like, you know, if you're going to put this much money into something like this, like, wouldn't you want to like, you know, get a better return on your investment? And like, you know, not that like I would have wanted to have like paid $30 for this on Disney plus, especially as someone that would have been willing to spend whatever it costs for a movie ticket in theaters. But it's like, they're not even like doing that. Like they did with other, some other movies on Disney plus earlier in the pandemic, like Mulan or whatever. Or, so it's like, I don't know. It's just, I, I would hope that it doesn't have a lot to do with, I don't want to be too cynical. I would hope it doesn't have a lot to do with like some of those bad faith uh, uh, pieces that have been written about how like it, it it is for too narrow of a group of people, which subtly imply that maybe it's like uh, because they're worried, like it won't appeal to enough people because it's about an Asian family or something like that. Or because like you said earlier, because it's about puberty, I would like, it's just, it's just so well done that I hope would hope that they would look at a movie of this quality and think, all right, people are going to get this and it's going to really like do well. Cause it seems like everyone, I haven't talked to a single person that hasn't enjoyed it. I just, you know, know of a couple like, you know, bad reviews that are out there that I don't want to give too much breathing room to, but I'm just like hoping it wasn't that line of thinking that led to this is what I'll say. So yeah, the, the only, this is just me speculating here, but like mm-hmm. you take it, you look at something like Encanto, right. That opened uh, Thanksgiving weekend, uh, modest, modest box office didn't make a lot of money. They drop it on Disney plus, And then suddenly like the soundtrack is, literally like the most popular thing of the decade mm. Mm. <laughs> and you know it becomes like this cultural phenomenon so maybe they were just like we'll skip the distribution costs for turning red and just like put it straight on disney plus and see if we can get like that that encanto bump you know and just yeah have i guess there's something to be said on the disney plus has a lot of subscribers now so who knows it, it, it maybe maybe it's actually an economic decision where they'll they like you know, they think it is just worth it cynically and they think it's, it's good. And this is one to do it with. And because maybe it's not as much of a sure thing as Lightyear, though. I mean, I think you and I are excited for Lightyear, but like, I, who knows, like I, I could see parents looking at that trailer and be like, what the hell is this? Like, I mean, you know, like, is, is this really Toy Story enough that I'm going to take my kid to it? And whereas like, I feel like this looks like a more traditional movie on the surface for Pixar than whatever Lightyear is going to be. So I, I, I don't know, but like, man, I, I, I hope this is really a COVID thing is what I'll say. And I hope that like, you know, Hopefully, I mean, who, I'm not going to get ahead of myself. Who knows when we're going to be like, you know, in the clear with the pandemic, but like, you know, hopefully enough people are vaccinated or, you know, like, or just had COVID at this point that like, it's safe to, it's safer to go to the movies whenever the next one after Lightyear comes out. And it's just not even a question that that one will be in theaters, you know? So, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 any, any, any other final parting thoughts on turning red, Joe? We just, uh, Abby's hilarious, um, of the friends. I just, I love Abby's energy. She's fantastic. She just yeah the friend group's really fun and uh yeah yeah, we didn't talk enough about them but like i think they do a a, a fairly a a fairly good job of like you know uh just giving those friends distinct personalities like and not not a lot of movies there but i you know i i I did have the thought that like i wasn't sure if the um if it totally tracked for me that like they they got mad when like they let her she let her mom think that like they tricked her into doing the panda stuff and or, or whatever even though she was just as complicit like the friends got kind of mad at her they forgave her pretty quickly which probably isn't unusual for kids at that age to like have a fight and make up pretty quickly but i was like 
man, wouldn't the good friends have like, just like kind of jumped on the grenade for their, for their friend. And like, yeah, I'll take the blame from your mom. I mean, we weren't led to believe that her, that, uh, that Ming like told on them to their parents and got them in trouble. So I was wondering like, is it realistic that they would get that hurt at that point, knowing what their friend had been through? I didn't know, but I still enjoyed the friend characters and they didn't dwell on that, that, that part of it too much. Like I said before, I just really love that. It was just like, not even a question. The friends were going to be there for, they were the constant, they were what calmed her down. I thought that was just a, a pretty genius turn along with the rest of the stuff I already talked about, which is like not making this something that she had or just run and hide from the whole movie. You know, very, very, very unexpected choice that they made that I thought paid huge dividends. Yeah. Um, all right, everyone go watch Turning Red on Pixar. Tell your friends to do so. Uh, yell at Pixar to put the next one in theaters. Uh, Joe, uh, before we get out of here, anything else you've been watching recently that you want to plug? I mean, we're about to do the top 10 podcast, but I don't know exactly when I'm posting this. So uh, who knows if uh, I know you watched a lot to like, get your top 10 ready, but is there anything, whether it be a, a, a movie you watched in that endeavor or something else you've been watching recently you would like to plug before we wrap this episode up? Um, I watched Swan Song on Apple TV+. Plus. Mm. and it's not on my top 10 for this year spoiler alert but um i just think mahershala ali is like one of our finest living actors and first ever lead role and people just need to appreciate like just appreciate the greatness he's just phenomenal his range and what he can do and like i you know i i'm actually sort of losing words talking about it he's just such a brilliant actor and like um i love him and i think people should watch him more and for that movie specifically, I think it just has sort of, it has some of the more fun, like near future um, embellishments I've seen in kind of these um, near future installments, you know, mm-hmm. like some of just like the games he plays with his son in the movie and like some of the technology that's available to them, like like just some of the small details, like I'm not talking about the big sci-fi thing that's at the center of it, but just, you know, those smaller things. I think, um, I don't know, I just thought it was like a fun little uh, look into the future, so. Yeah, I already talked about that a little bit with Fred when he plugged it, uh, but I hadn't watched it. I don't think I'd watched it at that point, or maybe I had, but it it, it made it on the Fred's top ten. I really enjoyed it. Just like 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 Joe said, just a, a great, great, great uh Marshall performance. Uh I don't have a lot to I don't have a lot new to plug right now. I need to I I, I, I need to watch some I need to watch some more stuff still. Uh but yeah. I'll pass this week. Uh, but again, uh, Joe, uh, thank thank you for joining. Uh, anything you want to personally plug now? I, I bullied you on the letterbox. You're 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 slowly yeah. uh, getting you're slowly getting your sea legs there. Uh, so you, you want to plug letterbox, Twitter, anything like that? Yeah, I'm on letterbox now, thanks to Josh, and I am uh, growing addicted to it. Uh, my username is the letter J Parker Morgan on letterbox, mm-hmm. and then on Twitter, if you want my Braves and Jaguars sports takes. Uh, it's at Joe underscore Morgan. Yeah. People are probably going to be listening to this around the time, like baseball free agencies already kind of like mostly finished what whatever it's uh, doing, but like, uh, and Joe's Braves are having a better, uh, still having a much better, uh, off season than my Phillies, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> yeah. As usual, I'm Josh Jernavoy on Twitter and letterbox J O S H J U R N O V O Y. The podcast Twitter is at real movie pod. The podcast email is the round movie pod at gmail.com. Uh, not really sure, uh, what the next episode is going to be on. I know, uh, our friend Josh Brown has, uh, claimed, uh, uh, the new uh, Disney release, Deepwater, starring Ben Affleck and Anna Darmus. <laughs> so uh, that comes out this week. That comes out uh, this weekend, as of the time we're recording this. So uh, something on that might be coming up, along with uh, uh, Michael Bay's Ambulance, which uh, Josh also claimed he was surprised that no one had claimed a Michael Bay movie for some reason. You know, get a, finally get into some other weird 2022 stuff. So everyone, stay tuned for that. We'll see you next time. Thanks again to Joe for joining, and uh, yeah, thanks for listening. <laughs>